My name is Joe Hawkins, and this is the History of the Mormon Church in 50 Objects podcast. Welcome to History of the Mormon Church in 50 Objects, Episode 10, The Kirtland Call to Gather. In 2016, the Chicago Cubs finally won the World Series. If you are watching, you'll know just how desperately their fans and organization wanted that championship. Winning the championship broke a 108-year drought for the Cubs. So, as is the custom, after they won the World Series, the Cubs held a championship parade where the fans could gather to see the team and the commissioner's trophy toured around the city of Chicago. Apparently, Chicago really loves their Cubs because the fans really showed up. They showed up, and they showed up, and they showed up some more. The numbers are contested, but estimates claim that in the end, over 5 million people showed up to cheer on the Chicago Cubs. Now, I can't imagine what the Utah Jazz fans will do if the Jazz ever win an NBA championship, but back to the point, 5 million people. If you're wondering, those numbers would make it the largest recorded gathering of people in U.S. history and arguably the seventh largest recorded gathering in the history of the world, all for the Cubs. For today's object, we will be reviewing another important gathering, though it didn't nearly carry as much fanfare. In December of 1830, just months after the church is founded, Joseph Smith received a revelation from God calling all the Mormons to gather in Kirtland, Ohio. Now, by the standard of the day in 1830, a move from the populated and settled New York to Ohio must have felt like a walk into the wilderness. The United States at this time only had 24 states in Ohio. Indiana, Missouri, and Illinois were considered the very western frontier. 1831 was a year of a lot of changes for the United States. In March of 1831, the first recorded bank robbery took place in New York. Thieves using forged keys entered the City Bank of New York at night and made off with over $200,000. Surprised, that was the first time that actually took place. Also in 1831, Alex de Tocqueville spent nine months touring the United States trying to understand how democracy was able to work in the U.S. His book, Democracy in America, as it was called, would become immediately popular in the United States and Europe and had a profound impact on the French population. Harvard professor Harvey Mansfield called it at once the best book ever written on democracy and the best book ever written on America. Lastly, if you are a fan of the movie The Greatest Showman, just a few years after the events of this podcast took place, P.T. Barnum's first circus would begin its tour of the United States. At this time, the United States was still self-determining who we were as a country in terms of government international relations, slavery, and other issues. The young Mormon church was going through similar struggles. As converts started joining in droves, most had never met Joseph Smith and didn't know anything more about the church than the Book of Mormon. So they brought the religious traditions with them. For example, those baptized into the Mormon church from the Christian Shaker movement, which was quite prominent at the time, would convulse with religious fervor as the sacrament was being passed. Arguments were breaking out in the outskirts of the church about the need to be baptized a second time to enter the Mormon church. Clearly, strong central leadership was needed. Joseph Smith and the early Mormons were facing a challenge. 
How to deal with growth in an age where communication was slow? The answer? Everyone was to gather in Kirtland, Ohio. So, how did this revelation to gather in Kirtland, Ohio come about? If you listened to the last episode, you'll remember that it was decided that four missionaries would set out by foot to the Indian Territory to preach the gospel. Again, those were Oliver Cowdery, Peter Whitmer Jr., Parley P. Pratt, and Ziba Peterson. As is the current Mormon missionary standard, the mission was to be paid for by the missionary. So the four of them set out by foot to western Missouri. They were all carrying copies of the Book of Mormon, and they would stop at homes along the way to request food or shelter and would share the gospel to anyone that would listen. Now, quick side note, I sometimes wonder what that trek through New York, Pennsylvania, and into Ohio looked like for those missionaries. Remember, most of the country was unsettled. This is probably just me geeking out a bit here, but I think one of the cooler things to have seen would have been the migration of the passenger pigeons. Today, the passenger pigeon is an extinct animal, but at the time, it was the most abundant bird in North America. They would migrate across the northeastern states over the four missionaries as they walked along in flocks numbering over four billion. As the pigeons passed overhead, it would have been like a dark cloud for days at a time. But back to our story. One of the first towns the four missionaries came upon in Ohio was Kirtland. Kirtland at this time was full of religious fervor, with large communities of believers looking for primitive Christianity as found in the Book of Acts in the New Testament. So entered the four Mormon missionaries. The story goes that one of the first homes they came upon before entering Kirtland had a woman and a young girl who were weaving. The four missionaries asked for food, and then began to tell the woman about their work as missionaries, and she promptly turned them away, saying she didn't want anything to do with them. However, as they left the house, they were chased down by the little girl, who told them that her father would listen to their message, and she told them where they could find Isaac Morley in the city of Kirtland. So they go to a Kirtland farm in Ohio, where they're received by Isaac Morley. Isaac has about eight to ten families living on his large farm, and most of them are members of a local congregation called the Campbell Restoration Movement, or the Campbellites. Their minister is a prominent man of the area named Sidney Rigdon. If you're a Mormon, you're probably recognizing these names. These men wouldn't just go on to establish the church in Kirtland, but they would become cornerstones in the church's growth for years to come. In Isaac Morley's case, not only will he convert, but he will stick with the church serve multiple missions, suffer through all the Illinois and Missouri persecutions, he will cross the plains and eventually found the city of Manti, Utah. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. The day the missionaries arrive, Isaac Morley and the people on his farm stay up all night, enraptured by the story being told by these Mormon missionaries. Needless to say, they're converted to Mormonism right away. Isaac then approaches his father, Thomas Morley, and tells him what he's heard from the missionaries. And Isaac's father flatly rejects the message. His father, seeing Isaac's commitment, kicks him out of the house. And even though Isaac only lives across the street, his father never speaks to him again. So we're seeing from the beginning that the Mormon message evicts strong convictions. There doesn't seem to be too many fence-setters here. They either embraced the Mormon church, or they pushed back violently. Later, the missionaries then met with Sidney Rigdon, who along with his wife quickly became believers in their story. Now Rigdon and his wife experienced some sleepless nights trying to figure out what they're going to do. Sidney at the time was the minister of two churches. 
His home and his income were provided by the members of his church. He and his wife decided to walk away from it all and join up with the Mormon church. So where are we now? Within just a few weeks of arriving in Kirtland, the four missionaries had baptized over 200 of the 300 adults living in Kirtland, Ohio at the time, and the four missionaries are ready to move west to Indian Territory. Sidney Rigdon and one of the neighbors who was interested in all of this but not yet converted named Edward Partridge decided they were going to travel back to New York to meet Joseph Smith and talk about the success of the missionaries in Kirtland. So they go, and after meeting Joseph Smith, Edward Partridge is immediately converted and baptized himself. Now after hearing about the success of the missionaries in Kirtland, Joseph Smith then has a few things on his mind. First, the people in New York are really pushing back on Joseph. With the lawsuits and the persecutions, Joseph was looking for a way to get away from that so he could focus on building up the church. Now, Ohio was boiling in missionary success. Oliver Cowdery messaged Joseph before leaving Kirtland to continue his mission and requested that an elder be immediately sent to the branch they'd set up in Kirtland. Joseph sent John Whitmer, who after arriving found the number of converts to now be over 300. So John Whitmer then messaged Joseph, desiring his immediate assistance in organizing the church in Kirtland. So now Joseph goes to the Lord and receives the revelation for all the members to gather in Kirtland, Ohio. Now, where can you see a copy of this revelation? It can be found in the Mormon scripture, The Doctrine and Covenants, section 37. You can just Google it. Now, it's a short revelation, but it tells the Mormons to move as soon as they can to Kirtland. And the Mormons are told that if they move, they'll be given God's law, which we may discuss in an upcoming episode. So the New York members, most all of them, pack up their wagons, their belongings, and they head to Kirtland, many of them not even knowing where they'll stay when they arrive. Most of the members were really mocked by the local community. A local Palmyra newspaper wrote the following about Martin Harris choosing to leave the Mormons. It said, Several families, numbering about 50 souls, took up the line of march from the town last week for the promised land, among whom was Martin Harris, one of the original believers in the Book of Mormon. Mr. Harris was among the early settlers of this town and has ever borne the character of an honorable and upright man, an obliging and benevolent neighbor. He had secured to himself by honest industry a respectable fortune, and he has left a large circle of acquaintances and friends to pity his delusion. Not very nice stuff for Martin. So the Mormons land in Kirtland, Ohio, and begin to set up the church. In Kirtland, Joseph Smith would receive more revelations than any city throughout the rest of his ministry. An interesting note at this time, the local non-Mormons in the area, and even some of the new Mormons, didn't know what to call themselves. They didn't really have a name for themselves yet. The local newspaper called them things like the Gold Bible Faith or the Disciples, not wanting to use Church of Christ, as so many Christian churches use that already. And the newspapers didn't know what name to print for the members of this church. Some initially went with Josiites after the name Joseph Smith. However, one of the local newspapers had a writer-editor named Eber D. Howe. He loved to play with words and is even acknowledged as the inventor of the word bogus. And he was the first one to use the title Mormonites when referring to Mormons. From there it caught on, and Mormonites became a part of their identity throughout all the newspapers and locals in the area. It won't be for a few years that the name is lessened to just Mormons. So the call to gather in Kirtland, Ohio will become a springboard for building up 
and organizing the church. Unfortunately, it won't last. The mobs, the beatings, and the tar and featherings that are just around the corner will require additional calls to gather in different states, and we'll discuss those in upcoming episodes. So that's it for today. If you have questions about the Kirtland call to gather or any comments, you can reach out to me directly at joehomc, historyofmormonchurch at gmail.com. And again, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, if you wouldn't mind rating and leaving a quick comment, it helps a lot. Thanks again. Thanks again.